I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, lockdown politics. Why won't the New South Wales Premier use the word lockdown? Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Hi, mate. How are you? I'm extremely well, extremely well. I'm, I've now done, I just worked it out, I've done 80 weeks of the Goya Club, the Goya Club walks, right, and uh, 80 weeks of it, and I've, um, I've now levelled off, I've lost about 11 kilos and levelled off at that. I walk, I walk 5K six days a week. And I've joked with you before that I used to belong to that other club, which was uh, if your doctor said do some exercise, you just change doctors. <laughs> but this, the Goya Club stands for, it's, it's, it's not, not a club at all. I mean, I've got members of this mythical club in America, Slovakia, China, Indonesia, Philippines. Um, Goya stands for, as an acronym for get off your ass. Well, 11 kilos is about uh, 10% of your body weight. Well, it's, it's, it's about, in the old system, it was about just over 20 pounds. Yeah, which, which makes you feel a lot. I mean, I've lost a bit of weight too. I you have indeed, whether, yeah. Whether you've noticed. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I also saw that you had your second uh, COVID I jab. did. Yeah, I had my second COVID jab and uh, the AstraZeneca. Um, the only, again, the only bad reaction I had with some anti-vaxxers on Twitter and Facebook. Well, you, you, you called for the... <laughs> well, I, I, well, they did the last time, so I knew they were going to come after me again. I mean, people saying, I hope you've made a will and you'll be dead in two years and they call me a lab rat. You know, I'm thrilled to see that um, I think the figure I saw this week, 7,000 people under 40 have now gone and had the AstraZeneca. So, and, and more than 8 million vaccinations have been given. I know, I know ScoMo and the government keep getting crap over this, but it's, I know and they shouldn't have come out and said we'll have 4 million done by March. That was their problem by over-promising and not producing. But um, the fact that there have been it's like 8 million jabs, first and second, I think is very encouraging. Um, the fact that they focused on the AstraZeneca and not the Pfizer which seems to be the, at the mm. at the heart of everything, really. No one wants, or well, few people want the AstraZeneca because it's been tarnished. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And then you hear reports that they could have got the Pfizer last year had they done this deal. What but was that, going that was, on? That, was, with that, all that story was bullshit. That was floated by Norman Swan, um, and Pfizer have now come out and said we didn't offer a deal to the Australian government. So that was a total fraud. There's a lot of junk out there on the internet about various things, and Moderna's coming out now, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, they have had problems getting enough quantity of Pfizer. That's, that's, that's quite true. Uh, and you're getting um, state governors, state um, premiers now, um, you know, fighting with the government over a federal government all the time. But look, the thing in recent days, and we pre-record this a few days early, but what's happening in, in Sydney... I mentioned on Sunrise a few weeks ago, so I'm really worried about Sydney. I'm not one of those people in Victoria who gloat about Sydney's bad luck. Well, I, I, well sorry, yeah, I was going to keep going because I was going okay. to... Because, I, I mean, I know that some commentators <coughs> have and there been columns about it. I mean, we were... Okay, I can understand why people are doing this a bit because we were regarded in Victoria as, as the COVID lepers. 
I mean, we well, were... Well, in my view, Derek, rightly so. Yeah, well, we were... We yeah, brought it upon yeah, ourselves. Yeah, our, our quarantine system, in which hundreds of people died, was a bad mistake by the state government. It's I don't right. deny that was, at all. Was, was diabolical. And, and also the, the inquiry the, the, itself. The multi-million dollar inquiry, which went nowhere, you know. So, I, look, I, I, I grant all that, but I don't want to suddenly say to Sydney, well, meh, meh. although I'm watching it in recent days... I mean, you had uh, Gladys uh, Berejiklian stupidly wouldn't use the word lockdown. I mean, she said, we're going to have a stay-at-home order. Finally, a few days later, she did actually, the word lockdown was squeezed out of her mouth. But I was watching on the television news a few days ago, the number of people in, quote, lockdown who are at Bondi Beach sitting down almost having picnics. They're not out exercising, which is what you're allowed to do. They're in huge clusters of people, and it's as if they still aren't taking it seriously. Many, many people, according to stuff you read, are not wearing masks in Sydney still, um, and they're, they're getting like 35, 40 cases a day, and the bigger thing is more and more outside the area, you know, if you can say, well, we've got 35 cases this week, or today rather, but 29 of them we know are in lockdown or are traceable in instant instant contacts. But they're getting more and more outside. You're getting dozens, hundreds of locations where they're saying, this McDonald's, this shopping centre, this um, hairdressing salon, you know, that's why the, I think Sydney's in, in trouble for weeks and weeks to come. Here in Victoria, whenever we've had the lockdown, well, uh, not whenever, but uh, most times we've had the lockdown. The entire state gets locked down. We've had Mildura, Warrnambool, Sale, these sort of areas where there have been no cases. You know, we had the funeral of the little boy in Warrnambool yeah. where only 10 people could go, but there hadn't been a case in Warrnambool for ages. That's right. New South Wales, though... Broken Hills open, Coffs Harbour's open, Orange is open. Yeah, well, they, all they, of these they, areas. It's, it's what I call the 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 harbour experience. You know, they locked down <coughs> the northern beaches. I was in Sydney at that time. I was luckily at the bottom end of the northern beaches, so I was in lockdown, but not in as strict lockdown as the uh, as the northern northern beaches were. Well, what I'm arguing is that uh, I, I think that they've been up until now. Now, as you say, it might get worse. Um, Although I think the, the key figure is how many people have been outside uh, walking around yeah. with the virus and contagious. The number of people out and about, it's seven or eight every day. Mm. Now, they're focusing on those numbers because they're the real... They're the well, people they can are, lead to hundreds of infections. Yeah, they're the people that are spreading it Especially uh, with the, the Delta one now, yeah. But... The numbers haven't really exploded as we may have expected it to do. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, the number of the number of places they're saying if you were there, go and get tested, lock yourself away. They've gotten to the hundreds now. And I said before, McDonald's and shopping centres and this and this and this. And people in in in, in Sydney have not taken it as seriously as I believe as they should. Even now, I mean, you're getting them those pictures, footage of people at Bondi Beach and stuff like that. But then, look, I, I was watching the. Um, the Euro Cup celebrations in London, you wouldn't believe there was a COVID problem at all. There were hundreds of people in pubs standing two inches away from each other. 
Well, the, I've been watching the Euros too because they've, <laughs> they've been pretty exciting, actually. But but it's it's interesting to see different countries how they deal with it. Uh, uh, you know, we had the incident here where the AFL had the game in Geelong and yeah. everybody was focused in this they one seven thousand people area. in one area. Why didn't they yeah. spread them out around the whole room? Yeah, and then you had the game. Uh, and then you had uh, Brett Sutton say, "Oh no, no, well it's easier to look at it to work." He went against everything he had been saying up until that yeah, point. Yeah. But then you look at the games in uh, some games in Europe, and they've spread the crowd around. But then you go to uh, Hungary, I think it was, and oh, yeah. uh, well, chock a block full the, of people. The, the crowd of Denmark f- f- celebrating their new win. And they were actually celebrating England beating the Ukraine, so I don't know what that means. I'm not a great soccer fan, a follower. Well, England uh, always uh, pretend. They're pretenders. They they, uh, almost get there. Almost get there, that's right. (laughs) They're a bit like Collingwood in the 70s and the uh, the 80s. That is true. Okay, who's going to win it? Well, I think Italy's going to win it, Darren. They've been the better team so far. Didn't Italy get beaten by... No, no, Italy won... Uh, oh. uh, but they had a bit of an incident with a with a, with a soccer player. Oh, that guy who I saw oh, this, was that the Italian guy who's lying dying on the on on the ground. Well, he and was suddenly one of his teammates scores a goal, and he has a bigger bigger comeback than Lazarus. Yes, <laughs> so he leapt to his feet. Well, he was trying that sort to of staging. Really pees yeah, me off. I, I, I've heard that a lot of times from people that they, they they can't watch soccer because soccer players do that. But yeah. he was milking for a free kick. Yeah, of course he was. Uh, and then if you get a free kick a penalty like that then uh, you can score a goal from the uh, from the from the area yeah, but one of his there. mates scored a goal and suddenly <laughs> he leaps to his feet just like the second coming wasn't it yes, that's, that's Shame, right. shameless yeah. and he looks around to see whether anybody's looking at him. him yeah they forget they're on television uh, Darren, back to the sydney lockdown yep. uh, though do you think uh, gladys berejiklian hasn't been strong enough yeah i think she yeah. when you start saying please and she was because she locked herself in on we're the gold standard, backed by Scomo. We're the gold standard. We're the best state. Look how Victoria's stuffed it up. Then she has to go to lockdown, and I said she wouldn't even use the word lockdown. I believe she went into lockdown about three days, four days too late. Um, should have bitten the bullet and gone earlier and done it. I mean, here you got donut days in, 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 in Melbourne, three and four days in a row, which is, in, which is incredibly good. I had to laugh. I saw some guy on Twitter today saying, if you've got zero cases in Melbourne, why are 20,000 people still getting tested? Because that's why we've got zero cases, because they're getting tested. And I hope it keeps going, that people, you know, if you've got a bit of a cold, a bit of a sniffle, go and get tested. You know, I, and I, and that, that's what you think is the right thing to do. What do you make of the return of uh, Daniel Andrews? I think he did it quite well. Um, I think he, he put to rest the, the rumours that were scurrilous ones about him. And uh, some, I mean, there's, there's absolutely defamatory stuff going out all over Twitter and on, on, on text messages about, and I won't even go into the details of it. I think he's, he's done, done quite well. I think he's probably lucky that Parliament's not sitting, <laughs> which is, is good. I mean, the big story, of course, around has been that they've all... Um, They've all been offered, being offered another salary increase, which couldn't come at a worse time at all. Um, Two point five percent. I'm glad to see. Derek. I'm glad to see that uh, uh, Andrews has now said he'll give his to charity. Molino said he'll give his to charity. When they got their last rise, only about two or three years ago, um, the Justice Party, um, Stuart Grimley, 
back then, just quietly, gave his increase to charity, to local charities in the Geelong area, you know, four and five hundred dollars at a time to various good, worthy charities. And that's where it should be. But you can't you can't beat some people. I mean, it's an independent body that sets up these increases. What do you what do you know about this independent? Not much, body? They, but they shouldn't have done it. Uh, shouldn't have done well, it. Well, then, then I agree with you that they shouldn't have done it. And if it's an independent body, what sort of information is being fed into this independent body that they would well, come up with such? Wouldn't a you think? That, well, see, if the premier calls this, don't give us an increase. He's interfering with an independent body. I mean, sh- surely what? what and I know you, you can't win sometimes. People now say, oh, they still get the tax break. Well, they're giving this increase away, which is good. But I know where you're coming from, but I don't know. Well, uh, Darren, I think if you are a small business person in Victoria, mm-hmm. you have been devastated by the last 15, 16 months of COVID. Oh, you, you're quite and the, right. And the government has promised you assistance. And I read the other day that a lot of that assistance still hasn't arrived. Hasn't arrived, to the people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. My local dry cleaner closes down next month. He's been going for, in the same spot across the road for 19 years and he just says, this last lockdown, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And so after 19 years of running his little business, one-man band, uh, occasionally with his wife helping out, he's, he's shutting down. He says, I can't do it. What, what did he say to you was the reason? I mean, he can't do it because he's lost money or he can't meet his bills? I mean, people, when you're in lockdown, you're not, going to dry, not getting as much stuff dry cleaned, are you? You don't need to. If you're working from home, you don't need to get your your blouse or your shirt shirts laundered or your suits dry cleaned because you're just wandering home in your dressing gown or your tracky dacks. And uh, so that, so business has dropped amazingly. So you imagine being him, hmm. reading the paper and seeing uh, MPs have got a 2.5% pay increase on yeah. top of the 11% increase they got last year. Yeah. And, uh, oh, they're giving it away to charity. It, 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 it still doesn't, it still hurts. I mean, I just think the fact that they're giving it away to me is nothing. I mean, well, you're, is giving, so, you're giving it, it away. You're giving it away this year. What about next year? You know, the well, way I'm, the I'm, way. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm now sound very parochial here, but uh, um, our man has given his away. I'm sure he'll give this one away as well. You know, and so at least some local. It charities. shouldn't be up to him to give it away. No, no. He, he shouldn't get the pay rise from the start. Okay, no, no, particularly I, I agree. in the current atmosphere. It should not have happened, but how do you stop it if if you if the premier intervenes, it's not an independent body. But although maybe he should get a submission and saying we do not want it. Well, I, I think we need to have a look at this body and find out how how what sort of information who, are who, they looking at? Who's on it? Who are the members? To come up with this yeah. uh, this decision. And I wonder who gives us just like the who does the ombudsman complain to? Um, I wonder how much the people on this independent body are paid, and when do they get their last pay rise? <laughs> there are, <laughs> and, who, and who approves their pay rise? There are two groups of people here in Victoria: those who are on the government payroll, mm-hmm. where, where I'd include the MPs because yep. they are, and those that are in private industry. And uh, in the past, you know, private industry always paid better than government roles, but it's Going the other way now. Well, also, and eventually something's got to give well, because... What makes it worse is that many people, politicians, have never worked elsewhere. They, they, they've never been in a private business. They're either lawyers 
or they have become, they've been politician staff members who then step up to become a politician. And you notice that in Victoria and in Canberra. Well, it seems to be more the Labor side of politics. Yes, it does. Where that comes from. You know, they, 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 they go to university and they work for an MP or they work for a union. They become a unionist, yeah. as Dad Andrews was. You, know, you become a union leader. Uh, Bill Shorten, you know, they, they've never really worked in the private industry what it's like to look at a profit and loss report, you know, and that, is, that hurts in yeah, small and, 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 and that, to my view, can't keep, can't continue because if, if everyone's on the government payroll... Um, where's the money going to come in taxes? That's right. Yeah, to yeah, meet that bill. Yeah, because the money's coming in from business is meant to is to pay for all these burgeoning, um, burgeoning uh, government employees. I mean, I look at the numbers. I haven't got them right in front of me now. Here in Melbourne, and also especially in Brisbane, the number of people on the premier's media team is frightening. I mean, why do they need forty, fifty, sixty people in the media department? What do they do? Well, uh, some of them go on Twitter, apparently. <laughs> and every time you go on Twitter and say something, they come back and counter it. Or they try and, you know, build up this atmosphere that uh, everything's okay. And, I mean, I notice even today some guys said, Dan- Daniel Andrews set the standard for the way you cope with COVID. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is, you know, Gladys Berejiklian has closed down New South well, well, Sydney for two weeks. It hasn't been four months. 800 people haven't died. In fact, no one's died from this current outbreak. I mm-hmm. think there were a few people in hospital. Um, Very few, yeah. Um, and no one on a ventilator or, or anything True. like that. So at the end of the day, what do you look at, Darren? As to well, how... I look at the death rate. And it's been what happened here was it was a disgrace, and we've been through this before on this program that um, they blew this fatally because they took a political attitude towards how they hired the security staff and the quarantine staff, and they hired a firm out of Sydney which had about seventy eighty employees, and they needed fifteen hundred, and so they they got them off the virtually off the internet. I mean, it was a disaster waiting to happen and tragically, you know, 800 people died. A guy I spoke to during the week uh, has been on top of the work cover investigation of, oh, yeah. the, of this. Now, uh, the way it works apparently, you've got someone in Victoria has got a layer complaint and then work cover is duty-bound to investigate it. Mm-hmm. Now, this complaint was laid by this organisation in private industry. Uh, he knows his stuff because I spoke to him on the phone. Ken was his name. And uh, anyway, after nine months, they have to reveal how their investigation's yeah. going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then this guy and his body uh, have the right to take it to the DPP, the uh, Director of Public Prosecutions, which they have. He says WorkCover has been sitting on this for nine months. They haven't really sought to investigate it properly. After two years, if, if proceedings aren't launched... It's gone. The statute of limitations is, uh, is over. So the, the old... The old uh, this is the, 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 the three Ds I learned in Canberra. Delay, delay, delete. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I was told my first month in Canberra, remember the three Ds, Darren, in government, delay, delay, delete. Well, it seems like that is <laughs> what is happening here. Now, he reckons 
that according to the legislation which was passed in 2004, there was other legislation passed in 2019, which is industrial manslaughter laws that, mm. uh, that they passed. But under the original legislation, he reckons that there are grounds to uh, lay charges. He's identified 16 people oh. from the Premier down. So I'm watching very closely what's happening with, uh, with work cover, but uh, it would just be terrible if uh, the two years passed and nothing happened. Nothing happened, yeah. Yeah, well, keep an eye on it. Now, listen, I know we haven't got much more time. Um, before, we, we obviously, we record these podcasts. Today's July the 4th, right? It's Independence Day in the United States. Um, I have a, a good trivial pursuit question for you about uh, about Independence Day, which came on... 1976, I think. Yep, 200 years. Uh, for, of, 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 Sorry, 17. 1776, but 200 Seven, years. The yeah. bicentennial right. was in 1976. Yep. Okay, and I was living in, in America at the time. And the weirdest thing was, here's America, which they call themselves the modern heart of democracy, founded by the Greeks, but now America is the leader of democracy. In 1976, in the year of their of their bicentennial, America, the United States, was led by a non-elected president, Gerald Ford, Gerald Ford and a non-elected vice president, Nelson Rockefeller. Be- Nelson Rockefeller. Because Nixon resigned over Watergate, right? And who was But before Gerald Ford, there was another guy who resigned in disgrace, Spiro Agnew. Now, Spiro Agnew, his vice president, resigned, but, but Nixon was the only, I, I think, probably only one of the two or three presidents who ever resigned, but he resigned. Spiro Agnew resigned because he's taken money across the desk in brown paper Well, he, he was Nixon's vice president. Uh, yes, he was. Yes. That's right, Spiro and that's Agnew. why Gerald Ford then went into that's the That's right, because and Gerald Ford, I think, was the leader of the House, and he went from there. Spiro Agnew resigned uh, in a fraud, I mean, uh, and then, so therefore he had... So Ford wasn't even, wasn't even elected as a vice president. He was just appointed as a vice president. And then he suddenly has a vacancy for his job and he appointed the then former New York or maybe the current former New York governor, Nelson Rockefeller. He became vice president. So, so both had, of those two senior guys in never, the US neither, administration neither, neither, were not elected. Were ever by- elected. <laughs> and here they are in the bicentennial. They're running the show. It's a very good little, little piece of American... Folklore. What do they do on July 4 in the US? Uh, they have a holiday. Yeah. And I think a lot of fireworks and uh, a lot of street parties. Americans are very big on street parties where you, your local block, you know, has like everybody comes along and brings a dish. And, and as a family, do people get together and celebrate it as family? Oh, oh yes. So. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's um, the, the big food days, big, you know, because it's July, so it's summer, big barbecue days, um, July 4. And the other big one, of course, is um, Halloween. They celebrate that very – and Thanksgiving. Yeah. Sorry, Thanksgiving they celebrate. Well, Thanksgiving, uh, what, what, that's like their Christmas. Well, what's the point of that? Well, Thanksgiving, from memory, came from – started in Massachusetts when the, the first, first um, people arrived from Britain, you know, independent people arrived from Britain in Massachusetts, and they gave thanks – and that's when they, they 
killed a turkey, and that's where the, that all started from. But it'd be, so Thanksgiving became a big pseudo um, thing, almost as big as Christmas, not quite. And uh, every year you see at the White House the president that they've got they a, pardon a, a, a they've got some turkey that comes <laughs> they bring to the White House. Stupid, isn't it? Yeah, they pardon a turkey. <laughs> so what do they say? This turkey can live forever. We're not going to kill you. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> they, they have one swanning around there. So there we go. Now, as soon as I walked in here today, Darren, you gave me a copy of uh, this uh, beautiful new book that you've got. Uh, good good photograph, actually. Is that a recent photograph? It uh, is. It was actually, ironically, it was taken by a professional photographer who was, used to be my radio producer on 2GB in Sydney, Nikki Elliott, and she took the photo. I, I, I thought well, Sydney had a, had a serial... And she took about 400 photos. I think it was one of the last two or three she took in the end. So I, I didn't want to be... Oh, it's a very serious book. I didn't want to have a, me smiling off the cover. Well there, you, well, there you are looking, gazing off into the, uh, into in, the distance. Into the distance, uh, yeah. Well, it's called Coping. Um, and it's about how to cope with, with life, with serious illness, with grief, uh, with heartbreak, broken romances, and, and unemployment. So it's all my ideas on that. And I've, I've been through most of them, so... Uh, <laughs> over the years and ironically that's how I coped with lockdown uh, all of the last 18 months or so whenever we were in lockdown I would just I'd write and uh, so that and Hardy Grant is the publisher and uh, it's now up on Booktopia and I'm very pleased with it and it's in, I think it's going to be in Reading's and uh, Dimmicks and Angus and Robertson. So, Two, 221 pages, uh, <laughs> I see. And I guess with all little anecdotes of uh, things that have happened to you mm. in your life and how you've coped. Well, it's more than that. It's also other people's ways of coping with things, especially the, the, the chapter that really fascinated me was how people handle grief because it's handled very differently by a lot of people and a lot of people can't cope with grief at all. Um, I know of cases where, say, a... Your child. I mean, we always say that no parent should have to bury a child. You always expect that that's not going to happen to you. It happened to my family. My 16-year-old uh, nephew died in a shooting accident. Um, but some people keep the child's room like it was for 20 and 30 years because that's their way of feeling that they can cope with it. It's other people say that's not the way to go at all because you've t- sort of try to freeze in time um, I, I know in the case of um, um, Bruce and Denise Morecambe, whom I'm very close to, and I'm an ambassador for the Morecambe Foundation, um, where this son was murdered, yeah. and uh, um, I was, they handled it so so bravely and so publicly. But what made it even, I, I'm talking out of school here, I suppose, I think made it probably even tougher for them was we didn't know, I didn't know for years that um, that. Um, that their son was actually uh, a twin. And I went on one of the Morecambe walks and uh, his twin brother was there with his new baby. And I thought to myself, imagine a family who've lost a son and they've got a twin son. As he grows up, the reminder is always there. Mm. This is what our other boy would have been like. This is what our other boy would have been getting married. This is what our other son would have been having a baby. And I think it would have been even, even tougher in some ways, say, oh, life goes on. And when, when my, um, the day of my nephew Rodney's funeral, his brother's partner gave birth. And that gave us a sort of a, for everything, turn, turn, there is a season. Like, life goes on and life would change. But it was just quite 
Bizarre. I, re- I remember you saying in a previous podcast that your your sister really has, has it's, it's with her all. Her, yes, know, it is. Uh, she says sometimes it feels like yesterday. I've actually got a quote from her in that book. To, I asked her, I said, I shouldn't be asking this, but how did you and my brother-in-law Les? How did you cope? I mean, they aged very overnight, almost. My my uh, my brother-in-law suddenly his hair went changed colour, I mean, grey and white. Um, I think they're religious. She's religious. I'm not, but I think that that helps her. Well, how would you cope, Darren? You're not religious. No. Um, w- w- you know, you've lost f- close friends yeah. and people that I've, you've I've known. lost a fiance. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, you just, I don't know. You just, just accept. You, you cope. You just do. You uh, you try and get on with your life. And uh, I guess early days is difficult. You know, the ne- early days is difficult. The next day. Yeah. The next week the next month until you actually get used to process what's happened. And and, and some people can never do it. I mean, some people throw themselves into causes like, like the Morecambs have, uh, like like other people I know who also have done that, that they suddenly get involved with victims of crime and Messina stuff like that. Messina Halvarkas has done Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I used to call him the man in black. You know, he, he'd turn up at courts to help victims and to help their, their families and, uh, yeah, great guy. Well, this book is, um, you're having a launch, aren't you, Darren? I'm having a launch later this month, yep, yep. And uh, read, the quote on the, read the quote on the top of the back page. The best life advice and career advice I can give you is this. If you keep stepping back, somebody will step on you. Are they your words? Yeah. Uh, uh, there you go. As the world slowly recovers from the worst health crisis in a hundred years, and as we all continue to navigate uncharted territories of hardship, there sadly could not be a better time for a book focusing on how best to cope with the many challenges that life puts in our paths. Yeah, and I can say, been there, done that. The book is called <laughs> Coping, uh, and uh, thank you for your signed copy, Darren. I'll well, you and I have been that. through in all our years. We've been together. Uh, through a hell of a lot over the over the decades, Tony. So there we are. Well, I hope we've got a few more years to go. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Darren, thank you very much. Thanks, mate.